I tell our players at the beginning of the season in our first meeting, you are competing against a level of play. You're not just competing against the guy next to you. You know, you're competing mm. competing against a level of play that I know we need to be at. And if we're not there and you're not willing to give that kind of effort to get there, the reality is is we're gonna have to go out and find somebody that is. Um and, and you have to understand that. And I think our guys, uh, some of the experience of having gotten to the World Series, having to being lucky enough to have been in the regionals, they look around and they realize there's some really good players in Division Three baseball. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Back in your earbuds, and we are broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back, or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We stand as your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. It's another week and another tremendous guest and episode dialed in for each of you as we unpack building a championship program, and there is so much more inside this talk, but one that definitely falls into the take feverish notes, air quotes, episode category as we spend time with yet another outstanding coach inside of our association, and we can't wait to introduce him to our community of loyal listeners. few reminders before we get this thing rolling downhill, especially for the first-timers dialing into the podcast Make sure you hit subscribe on your device so you never miss a show. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated. And share these shows with everyone inside your baseball circle. We're here to challenge our coaching community, help make each of you better, and help grow the game along with you. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about what this baseball coaching fraternity here is all about, you can also check out our brand new YouTube channels, brand new episodes of Extra Innings, The Road Show, interviews from our conventions. Find us at youtube.com slash ABCA1945 with much more to come on there. Make sure you hit subscribe as well. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA. Org. I would love to help you out in any way that I can. Love connecting with our member coaches and hearing how these shows are working for you on the other end of the call. So reach out, shoot me a note, a DM, a text, or even a call, and let's catch up. And the last shout out is going to the proud sponsor of this podcast, our great friends over at AstroTurf, the leaders in the clubhouse for the turf industry. So on behalf of the association, we're so thankful and grateful for the relationship we have with these folks. Their support of this podcast helps us bring this to you each and every week. And if you're interested in learning the details behind the fastest turf system designed by Baseball Metrics on the market, give them a follow on social media. You can find them at AstroTurf USA, but also make time to head over to their website, AstroTurf.com. That's AstroTurf.com. And find out for yourself why AstroTurf has been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. And with that, we are on to this week's show and a terrific chat as Webster University head coach and 20-year ABCA member Bill Courage stops by and we chronicle out the building of the championship program he has there in St. Louis and within Division III baseball. So here's the stat line. Inside his 13 years as skipper, they've won 13 straight conference championships. He has four World Series appearances and five top 10 national rankings within the past eight years and countless All-Americans that have helped solidify 
what Courage is doing there with the Gorlocks. We opened up the first few months on campus to instilling his vision and cultivating his culture within the existing team. We go into every facet of the program from recruiting to player development and practice to fundraising and academics, strength and conditioning, and all of the touch points that he feels has helped elevate his program and give them an opportunity to win championships there at Webster. It's again, bring the pen and paper with you. Plus, enjoy this conversation that's full of stories and laughs as we connect with and welcome in Bill Courage from Division III's Webster University. He is our guest on this week's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. So get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We're heading back into the small college ranks, and the entire purpose of this podcast is to dive into what it really looks like building a championship program. We've got one of the very best on the call with us, close friend of mine, a guy I completely admire inside the coaching world. He's got a ton to offer us inside this week's show. We're going to connect with Webster University head coach all the way down in St. Louis, Bill Courage. Bill, thanks for jumping on with us, my friend. Sheets, thanks for having me on. I can't wait to to get going here. We're excited to do it. And I think before we get too deep into this, because I'm going to reference your mascot, the Gorlocks. And yeah. I think most people on the call are going to go, hey, a Gorlock. I haven't heard that before. I know that's unique to you guys, but man, what is a Gorlock? Lay that out for us. Well, it took some time for me to figure this out as well. <laughs> you know, the uh, you know down in St. Louis, obviously St. Louis University is the Billikens, yeah. and so they've got kind of a, uh, a made up mythical animal. So Webster University, when they started uh, their athletic department, um, you know, back in the early '80s, they they kind of went along the same line. So a Gorlock is the paws the paws of a cheetah, mm-hmm. the horns of a buffalo, and the face of a Saint Bernard. So when I first got here. Um, they had just changed the logo. It was always wow. a Gorlock, but they gave us an updated, meaner looking Gorlock because the first, the original Gorlock had some different looks to it. The, he was the happy. One that was actually, he, he wore a he, sweater. He was- <laughs> well, he did. He, he, I, he, I said it looked like a dance, uh, you know, the Grateful Dead Bears. And, yes. and, uh, and all of a sudden they unload, they unveiled the new logo. And I, I said, this a lot, this is a lot meaner. I like this, this is a good, better look. So, um, but uh, the the old one's always floating around, and and yeah. we've uh, we've updated it. But no, I get uh, oh god, thirteen years. That's what I- uh, every you know you know thirty thirty forty recruits a year. Sure. I get that question thirty forty times. I got to be ready to go with it. So That's no it. doubt. <laughs> you just walked in my spider rep because that was my follow up. Is man in thirteen years? How many times has someone asked you that? Um, but I, I love wanna, it. I want to laminate a card. I want to just before we start, just here here you go. This is before we get going. Here's what a Gorlock is, so That's we it. can move on and. Yeah, no, every every recruit in their family. That's outstanding. Well, again, yeah. man, there is a, there's so much I want to get into this because you have built one of the Division three staple programs. And um, I think to uncover your path inside of building it from day one, from scratch, and and really building it up through the years and how that's worked and then how you've continued to maintain success. I know you just got back from Cedar Rapids, Iowa at this year's World Series. But before we get too deep into that, Bill, I want to go into right off the top of ABCA experience. And you are a 20-year continuous member inside the association. So we can't walk past that. So just take us into uh, your convention attendance over the year. I know you're, you're there just about every single year, but what is the association meant to you and, and being part of this fraternity? What's that, what's that mean to you in your career? No, I mean, so 20 years, I've been there 19 times. We had an unfortunate event that uh, kept me from going to San Diego, yep. uh, you know, about 15 years ago. And, uh, but I've been to every other, every other one. And it is, um, you know, it is, 
It is how you meet people. Mm -hmm. It is how you learn. It is how you grow as a coach. Um, there's no doubt that the stuff that goes inside goes on inside the convention center and inside the talks and inside the breakout sessions is, is how you learn. But, uh, you know, you say it all the time. It's, it's what happens sitting in a chair, yeah. meeting somebody, uh, you know, having dinner, going to the bar and, and having, you know, meet and greets with people and, and just interacting and reaching out and extending your web mm -hmm. of people. And that's, uh, that's how you get new jobs. That's yeah. how you learn new things. There's, there's more stuff that goes on, um, that, that helps me as a coach, probably, uh, every bit as much that happens after 7 PM at night, mm -hmm. you know, till midnight that happens from 9 AM until, you know, 5 PM inside the, the halls. Um, sure. you know, so that's been outstanding. You know, I, I look forward to that every year. I can't, uh, you know, the timing of it is just great. You get through the holidays, you get through the new year and, and, and that starts the year for you. You know, you get, uh, you get your brain turned on. It's starting, starting to get baseball season started up for you. So, um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm look, I always look ahead. Where are the new cities? What are the sure. next cities that are coming up? I'm, I've started to take some advice from some, some other coaches and getting there a day earlier and, mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. you know, getting, getting my feet underneath me. So no, it's, um, it's one of my favorite times of the year. Well, I am coming up on um, year five of being in this office and being part of the other side of the fence and getting in like four days early and then helping, yeah. you know, obviously prep and get everything ready for you guys to show up. Now, I got to I got to go back to this because you were mentioning what happens after hours. You and I and a couple other coaches were part. And I, I mean this with every breath in me. It was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do since being on this side of the fence where um, usually, especially at night, man, we're running around checking rooms and we're getting stuff set and we're making sure our ducks are in a row and I'm sneaking off to go get sleep because I got to get up the next day and turn around and do it again. But there was a night where I went, you know what? We've got our ducks in a row. I'm going to hang down here and see if I can't catch up with some guys. And I ran to you, ran a couple other good friends and we had probably, what was that? Like a two hour spirited baseball conversation which I know that stuff's going on, but I haven't been able to really engage with it. And it was one of the coolest things I've had to do is just us really breaking down. Hey, here's what I do. Here's what we do, man. We've had success doing this. Um, when it comes to some of that stuff, have you had conversations over the years that have completely blown your mind and go, Oh my gosh, we got to do more of that. I can't wait to get back and practice with my guys. Have you had those moments? Well, I, you know, if I coached, you know, uh, for four years with, with Rick Odette at St. Joseph's yeah. College, who is like the mayor of <laughs> sure. the ABC. I mean, it's almost it's almost obnoxious to try and walk the halls with them because <laughs> he stops and he talks and he stops and he talks. And I, I, I laugh all the time. You know, I would just stop and listen to have him having conversations with other coaches mm -hmm. from other areas. Um, you know, and then we'd find ourselves, hey, we're going to go to dinner with this guy, and we're going to go out afterwards with this guy, and we're going to sit down and we're going to, um, you know, we're going to talk. And you know, sometimes the the talks are things that you you know you're taking away and you're going back and I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, you know, this is a great opportunity, a great idea. And sometimes you, you listen to people and you think, man, I'm not going to do that. You know, as much as that, I think yeah. a lot of the learning is, you know, Hey, I, you learn what you like, what you don't That's like. Right. So, um, I mean, you know, I, I think about that. I come home far more tired than a lot. You know, you're just exhausted yeah, because completely. your day goes from eight in the morning, um, uh, you know, until two in the morning yeah. for three or four three or four days straight, I take all my young assistants with me every year and I tell them, listen, you've got a couple requirements. You are going to be at the very first talk of the day yep. and you're going to stay out until I go to bed. And I said it. And, and that's, that's part of the whole uh, process of becoming yeah. experience process, of becoming a coach. I that's said, right. now, 
you are going to be at the very, you're, you know, you're going to answer the bell and you're going to be up and ready to go for the first talk of the day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, countless, too many, too many conversations, too many uh, reconnections to even recount over the years. But, um, you know, that's that's how you become a how you become a better coach. That's it, 100 percent. Well, I want to go into your career path. And I think I'd be remiss if uh, for those of us that know you and I. If maybe five years ago, they would have laughed at the thought of you and I jumping on a podcast and doing this because we were fierce competitors. But I do want to go into your career path because I think it's going to lay the groundwork for your perspective and certainly where you've come from and certainly what's what's going to come uh, on the back half of this show. So lay us out again where you grew up, how everything fell into place, and certainly break us up to speed on where you are right now. Sure. So I, I'm a Chicago guy. I grew up in in Brookfield, Illinois, and um, you know was a, a product of Fenwick High School, a you know a prep school in 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 Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, where where most uh, most of their graduates were going to Big Ten, uh, Ivy League type academic schools. And I walked into my counselor's office and said, "I've got an opportunity to go play baseball at Quincy University." And he about reached across the desk at me and said, you know, Qu- Quincy University, you know, you, you got into all these prominent academic schools. And I said, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to play baseball. Sure. So I, I, I played, uh, played ball at Quincy University for two years and, um, and then moved on to a school in work in uh, Waverly, Iowa, Wartburg college. And, and that was the start of my co- you know, my coaching, um, you know, that's what got me thinking about coaching. I played for Pat Atwell at Quincy University, mm-hmm. for Joel Holst at Workbird College, just fierce competitive guys that taught me the game and taught me how to think about things differently. Um, and, and as soon as I got done playing, I knew that's what I was going to do. I knew I was going to coach and, and got right into the to the mix, became a graduate assistant at Concordia University of Chicago back near home, uh, was able to kind of you know, make ends meet because I could live at home and, and, uh, and got my feet wet in the, in the coaching world three years after that, um, you know, out recruiting again, just making connections, ran into Rick Odette, uh, out recruiting at De La Salle high school. And, and he kept talking and asking me, Hey, you know, what are you doing next year? What are you doing? I got a job. It pays $2,000. And I said, Oh man, I said, let, let me jump at that real up? quick. No doubt. And uh, you can live in the dorm and eat in the cat. And I was yeah. 24 years old and I was, uh, you know, probably thinking about, Hey, should I get engaged here? My wife, uh, my, my wife now was at the time in law school and, mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking, well, I'm going to tell, you know, this girl that's going to become a lawyer that I'm going to take a $2,000 job in Rensselaer, <laughs> Indiana, and she's going to she's going to say I'm out. And um, so at the end of the summer, I was I was coaching in the summer at, in Rome, New York. And uh, and Rick called me back and said, listen, I've got a job for twenty six thousand dollars and it's you're going to be an admissions counselor and assistant baseball coach. What do you think? That yeah. was like on a Monday by Friday. I had moved to Rensselaer. And uh, spent four years there, and that was just a that was just a different. Uh, that's where I really learned the most. I, yeah. I I started to learn what it was to manage people by Rick from Rick, and and get you know really get my hands dirty at that point. But um, spent four years there, and and um, found stumbled upon Webster University, and it was a uh, I guess a sleeping giant, a place that was waiting mm-hmm. to be good, and and I took what I learned and. Uh, got in here and we got things going and, uh, you know, 13 years later, I would have never guessed that it's still been here. And now it's, now it's, uh, 13 years later and uh, my kids are getting older and, um, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to call this home and, yeah. and make sure, you know, I'm going to be here for a long time. So, uh, it's been a, it's been a great road, but, um, you know, certainly we're, we're not at the end of it, but, uh, you know, it's funny the where, where the game of baseball will take you and, and, uh, it just kind of guides you to where you're supposed to be. That's a hundred percent correct. Well, I got to go back as obviously, uh, I sat in that chair at St. Joe with OD and I will say that, 
it didn't have an admissions job, but he made he did for you what he did for me as well. He took guys who were struggling in the game, making no money, and at that time gave you you know that job for twenty six. I got a job for eighteen, and I was the richest dude on earth. And oh, yeah. uh, so, in terms of working for OD, and like I said, walking around with the mayor, man, you learn a lot. Uh, being under his watch, and he's obviously doing a fantastic job at St. Leo. So I know OD's paying attention to this. So he's got a couple St. Joe guys on the line. Um, all right, let's go into Webster because this is this is sure. builds the the basically the foundation for this entire conversation and where this whole thing is going to go. And and starting from day one, I think taking the Webster job, um, kind of just give us the glimpse of what maybe the history of the program was, or certainly walking into that culture. What did it look like? What did it feel like? And then your first few months, those are critical moments where you're really starting to get your feet underneath you and understand what you're up against. Take us into maybe what was going on between your ears at those times. Sure. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the connection was I was coaching in the New York collegiate league. I was in Rome, New York and our athletic director at the time, Tom Hart, um, he was from Utica, New York. And so it's mm-hmm. so funny how, you know, it's a sister town. They're, 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 they're next to each other. And I'm sure that's what helped jump off the page and, you know, in the resume process. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had another former player whose brother played basketball here and I got a call and he said, Hey Bill, you know, Webster university's job is open. And my first thing I said was where is Webster university? <laughs> what is Webster university? Sure. Cause I, I, I didn't know, you know, you're on the road recruiting, you know, every school and, yeah. and in the Midwest and he said, it's in St. Louis and um, they play at GCS ballpark. It was GMC stadium at the time, I think. And I said, Holy cow. I, you know, I'd actually had gotten married a few years earlier and my, my wedding uh, rehearsal dinner was at the stadium that we wow. currently, you know, so we, me and my wife and our wedding party, we were up in the suites and we ran around in the field before the games. <laughs> I pushed her on the bed out the center field and, <laughs> and um, you know, and, and did all the thing. And then here two years later, you know, there's an opportunity to make that my home, home park. Wow. So uh, I went in with a lot of unknown, not knowing much about the program. Obviously the internet allows you to catch up on things in five minutes. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had struggled for a long time, but they were on the up upswing. And, uh, I think when they really secured, uh, the facility is when they, they kind of made the decision that they were going to, uh, do some things, you know, to, to make some changes and bring a new coach in. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I just happened to walk in to a great situation at the right time. I, I came down here for my interview with, um, pretty moderate expectations and about a 11 hour interview later i mean it was like 10 and a half or 11 hours i spent you know on campus and with the athletic director talking about things and uh as soon as i got back in the car i called my wife i called od and i said hey this place could be really good you know and and i said it's a great campus it's in a great area we got a great facility somebody is um gonna step in here and and blow this thing up and do a great job with it and so all of a sudden now i wanted it and um (laughs) And I went home and, and, uh, it's a kind of a funny story. Chad Hammonds, my, my, uh, a former college teammate who's been our, our first base coach for 13 years. Um, when, uh, when I got the call that I got the job, he was the first person 30 minutes later, he called me and there was no texting back then, or, you know, there was not Twitter like it is now. <laughs> sure. And I, it was kind of funny. I laughed. I said, how did you know that I got this job? And he was friends with the guy that that didn't get the job. And, oh. uh, and he got the call and said, listen, I don't think, uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I got the job. He goes, some guy from Indiana, Bill courage got the job. And Chad's like, I, I played ball I played, with yeah, Bill. He's like, yeah. So he called me, he said, Hey, I heard you got the Webster job. And I said, how do you know? I just told my wife, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so it was great. You know, there's, uh, a good story, you know, Mike Stosky, who is, uh, you know, was a Concordia Chicago yeah 
played for us at St. Joe was a pitcher. I knew he was going to be a coach probably before he knew he was going to be a coach. And um, I was set with him. He was up in the New York league coaching up there. And I said, Mike, we're, um, we're right. You know, I knew he was going to come with me and I called him and said, I got the job at Webster and uh, he came home. He, he went and picked up some stuff in Chicago, came down to my house in St. Louis. We spent the night and we drove to, or uh, actually in Indiana. And, and then uh, we came down to St. Louis together, moved into Chad Hammond's uh, condo. And, um, and you know, he slept on an air mattress. I slept in the guest room. Um, and, and we went to work and, uh, my, I left my wife and daughter behind in Rensselaer to, to, uh, to sell our house. And she still reminds me of that. I left her for six months to go, you know, start this program up and, uh, sure. you know, and, and we came in here and we worked, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. And, mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of things that had to be gotten in order, but, um, you know, once they got in order, we knew that this was going to, you know, have a chance to be a special place. Well, it's definitely proven to be, and I'll, and I'll come back to that point in time. I mean, even finishing up this season, you guys went 37 and 13, final rankings, your sixth and seventh, respectively, in the D3 polls. And that's five of the last eight years that's happened. You've been ranked inside the top 10. Uh, you just got back from your fourth World Series inside of eight years. You just won your 13th consecutive SLEAC regular season championship. So it's all fallen into place, you know, the way that you maybe envision it to happen. But always go back to, man, when the new coach comes in, you have these ideas and you have these plans and then you're just really counterbalancing that between what you want the culture to be and then what the culture currently is. So at that time, what was the culture that you really wanted to implement? And then how was that received by, especially those existing players that you certainly didn't recruit to be there? Sure. So I'm going to take you back, you know, just a few years before I got the job and, and, Again, things I learned from Rick Odette, you know, when, when you get to practice at St. Joseph's College, when you get on campus, you're going to you're gonna shave, you're mm-hmm. going to cut your hair, you're going to show up at practice wearing exactly the, the practice apparel. I mean, not a, you know, not a stitch out of place. It's going to yep. be tucked in. It's going to be, you're going to be on time and Rick Odette time is not regular times. So that's a different, <laughs> that's a different animal for another, another topic there. But sure. you know, you're going to be, you're going to be obscenely early. You are going to look the part. Uh, you're going to be prepared. Everything is going to be organized. So I, I walked in here with those expectations. Um, you know, and again, 13 years ago, things were a little different than they are today and kids were, um, you know, uh, you know, they, they, they were ready to get their butt kicked. I say it all the time. One of the best things that's happened to our program was the first group of kids that we had here. They wanted change. They, they were tough mm-hmm. kids and they wanted, they wanted structure. They wanted those things. And I was a young guy and, and I was going to implement those things, um, whether they liked it or not. But luckily for me, they loved it. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I laugh. There's a story, kind of an inside story at, um, uh, an alumni of ours was playing. He was a senior, Dan Branning, who's become a good a good friend of mine. We had an incident in practice where guys were, you know, kind of not locked in, and and uh, we were trying to go through some some defensive things that we were going to do, and and a backup shortstop at the time just wasn't wasn't locked in the way he needed to be, and mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of stopped practice and made sure that everybody knew that this was not uh, the way Webster baseball was going to work anymore. And Dan Branny, he laughs right now. He he tells a story when we get back for alumni things. He said, I turned at first base and said, boys, things are changing. He's there, there's a new sheriff in yeah. town, and this is not 
this is not how things were going on before. And uh, I laugh, you know, it, it was uh, it was a moment that when I was young, I was probably a little bit more excited than I needed yeah. to be. But, um, <laughs> sure. you know, we came in and we implemented those things. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about, you know, the weight room had to become important um, and and. and you know, it was not going to be a, a question of, hey, if I got to the weight room, this is what was going to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was going to be fundraising that needed to be done because there's a lot of things within the program we needed to buy and build and, and and get going from a facility standpoint with the practices and with the uniforms. And we wanted to look the part and be the part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I uh, we had a kid named Brett Mueller who was an All-American for us. And when I uh, when I first met him, he had hair down halfway down his back. And, um, I didn't know if he could pitch or not. And, uh, and, uh, I remember thinking, walking by, I'm like, well, that kid will never make it. Yeah. And, uh, a year later he was an all American. I mean, he, he actually was growing his hair up for locks of love, but I mean, they wow. were so receptive. They came in and they just, they just were so excited for somebody to come in and, um, and, and really, uh, you know, really change how they thought about, uh, themselves and as baseball players and as people and as students and, and have, uh, someone that just expected a lot of them. And mm. I, I give them credit cause they could have fought me yeah. and it could have been a heck of a, heck of a fight for a year until I got my own guys in. But I mean, I consider those guys, my guys and, um, and, and, you know, fortunately for me, we did some winning right away. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that probably helped the whole transition, you know? So that first group of guys I love, and they really did help me, uh, help help the start of my career here at Webster because they were so receptive of what we did. But uh, it was a different world for them when we first got there. And I've certainly mellowed out in 13 years and <laughs> grown a little bit. And some things are yeah. th- some things are just different in the world today of, of, of how you uh, motivate kids. But um, it was a uh, it was a good thing. You know, I had a good young assistant uh, in Mike Stosky who's turned into just an, an, an awesome head coach and mm-hmm. just took the job at uh, Mary Harden Baylor and, and moving his family down to Texas. But me and Mike were um, you know, we got this thing going and it started kind of from scratch, but, uh, we had some good players waiting for us, uh, much better than I thought we were going to have. And then obviously the recruiting started the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to start kind of figuring out what kind of player that we could get, what kind of player we wanted. Um, and over time that, that changed, you know, sometimes we had to take what we could get in the early years. And, um, and then we got a little bit more selective into what we were looking for, uh, you know, as, as time went on. Sure. We're going to come back to recruiting. There's a whole lot to digest on that, but I do want to follow up. How have you changed in terms of the, in terms of what you walked in and said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And this is how it's going to be. What's relaxed over time. Then we'll come back. So we had a, we had a, an alumni event. We had an alumni game this year and brought everybody back and set them up, you know, food and drinks down the line for a, for a late season game this year. And the first thing they all said was for guys that hadn't been back a ton was, you know, guys got beards, guys got their, their hair is long. What is going on? How is this? What is happening? So I, I, I've, I've had to relax on a few things and I think it's a good thing. You know, I try and have more fun with the guys because, um, you know, I think it's it's a fun game. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, uh, you know, they're going to play hard because they have a good time with it. Now, there's certain things I just don't allow. Uh, we dress the same way. You know, yeah. we 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 take you know practice gears the same. We take infield wearing the same thing. We still take infield with the same songs. It's all we've got a <laughs> system that was here 13 years ago. That there's a lot of things in place, but um, you know, I you know, kids are. Um, you know, they're, they're more receptive to a coach. I think now that, uh, you know, that is a little bit more on their side. I think the days of hollering and screaming and, and pointing and, and doing those things are, um, 
I just don't know if kids react the same way. So I've had to change. I've had to grow as a coach and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, but it is funny, you know, our, we've got a couple of guys go out there and I mean, they've got more hair on their head right now that I've probably grown in my whole life. <laughs> sure. And, and, uh, you know, I just, just letting them be who they are a little bit, but keeping the, the reins, you know, tightened up within the program to make yeah. sure they understand that, uh, they've got a job to do, uh, and from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed and, uh, but let, let them be themselves a little bit more. Have you, and this is maybe a personal question. Have you figured out that some of that stuff doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things in terms of going to play the game? Cause I was always a, a shave and a hair policy. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, is that going to make you a better baseball player or prevent you from playing at your best? Have you, have you landed I- at that? I have. I think I have. And I think it's, you know, you got to pick your battles. You yeah, know, you and do, that's, not a, that's just not a battle I'm willing to, to you know, to, to fight anymore. Maybe it's me getting older, me fighting battles with my own kids at home, yeah. you know, and understanding <laughs> sure. that they're going to be who they're going to be, letting them, letting them be, you know, let them do those things, letting them have fun. You know, I, the first, when all this stuff, you know, started when you hit a double and you had to turn towards the dugout and shoot a bow and arrow or whatever you got to do out <laughs> Ducks there. On the, pond. the first time, no doubt, when they first got out there and they started doing this, I almost called timeout and, you know, ran out there and pulled them off the field. And, uh, you know, now I tell them, hey, do something cool. And that's kind of our thing coming out of the dugout. I look out there, what is he going to do? And I, I hope it's not, you know, ignorant obscene by any means but right. uh, they all got their own little dance when they go out there i laugh at them you know they got their <laughs> our walk we have the worst walk-up songs in the country i mean it's just awful i don't know what kind of music kids listen to nowadays but uh-huh. it's it's just awful and they come up and and i laugh i i learn music more from these guys walk-up songs than i do from sure. listening to the radio because i would turn it off immediately but uh you know that kind of stuff is is fun and and they i look forward to seeing what they're gonna pick i gotta <laughs> i gotta make sure i edit it because we've had a couple of instances where i you know the first game of the year and they they play their walk-up song and i you know about five seconds into it i'm yelling at the booth hey yep, nope, nope. There's, a, there's a few words in there <laughs> yeah. we're, we're gonna and you know we uh we had a year one year i said listen if if i get a cuss word in your walk-up music and you better make sure that it it's that it doesn't you know if it happens after 60 seconds you're still responsible for yeah. it because they make a pitching change and all of a sudden <laughs> that you. song keeps playing but I told him, I said, listen, you're getting party in the USA. If if I if, if you pick a song that you don't like, you're getting Miley Cyrus from then on. And and uh, so they, they keep a little bit more tabs on what they play when they walk up. So uh, I, I do. I, I let them be a little bit, uh, you know, more who they are. But but there's still certain things that um, got to do. I, I got to help them grow as people. And there's still a right and a wrong. And, and, and I think we're kind of trying to get more into that. I uh, our new rule is, you know, I said, listen, you grow your hair out. You can you can you can let your, uh, your beard grow. I said, you got to keep yourself that you'd be, if you were comfortable walking into a job interview right now, looking the way you did, you are, then, then I'll let you look that way. Yeah. And if you're not, if you would have to cut your hair and shave that, I just don't think you, if you're not comfortable with how you look in a professional setting, then don't, then don't look like that when you step on the field. And, um, hmm. Uh, they probably bend that rule a little bit, but uh, uh, I, it's funny when you win a little bit, you, you let some things go. You, you got a three or four game losing skit, all of a sudden they tighten it you up. You start looking at you know doubt that sideburns don't look as awesome. Yeah. So. Well, I just wrote a note. If I'm ever at GCS and I hear Miley Cyrus, I know there's a story behind it, so I'll make sure I follow up with you. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. You, you mentioned bringing Mike Stosky again. Shout out to Mike, and, and certainly he's going to do great things down at Mary Harden Baylor bringing him on staff, what was in terms of filling out the entire coaching staff and, and certainly probably at that time, not having a whole lot of money to work with in terms of doing that, what were your priorities? What did you really want to make sure you had solidified uh, moving forward in, in those first few years? 
Sure. So when we had $10,000, you know, that yeah. was it. I told Mike, I don't know what $10,000 divided by 26 is, but that's about what your paycheck is going to be yeah. every two weeks. Yeah. And we got to get this figured out. Uh, you know, for me, I, I, we're not in a spot where we've got full-time assistance yet, but uh, we do have, you know, a better situation than we did in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will say this, you know, number one, uh, you know, for me, when I'm looking for uh, an assistant coach, um, you know, loyalty is the is the number one and it mm-hmm. will be until i retire that is uh you know i'm looking for a guy that is is going to teach what we want to teach uh is going to be willing to learn is going to be loyal to the to the school to the staff um and uh because obviously you get some young guys and they're 22 23 24 year old kids and you know that line between player and coach sometimes gets uh, a little bit skewed. I want to make sure that hey, there is a definite separation between coach and player, and and loyalty is is just uh, you know at the at the forefront of what you need to do to to make sure you create uh, you know that that type of situation where the the bond between the player and the coach is is separated. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so that's that's it. You know, I'm getting young coaches, and I want young coaches because the reality is is. I'm going to work them to death. It's a funny right now. We've got a young guy that is uh, on the road right now. Nate Thole just got done playing for us. We're going to hire him on here. And uh, it's, it's kind of a funny story. We, we had a couple of recruits that are, you know, wanted to come on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I stayed back uh, on campus to handle the recruits. And I read a Nate, ran a Nate a car, this, you know, on Monday, handed him the keys. Cause he does, he can't rent a car. Yeah. He says, Nate, you're going to Bloomington, Indiana today, and you're staying with this coach tonight who you don't know. By the way, I'm going to text you both, meet each other. You're going to stay at his at his place tonight. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to go to your he's in Decatur on Tuesday, you know, and or you know, or he was in I take it back Bloomington Tuesday, Decatur today or uh, Wednesday. Yeah. And then you're going to head back to Indianapolis on Thursday and uh, you're going to stay with Brick Odette um on Thursday and Friday night, and you're coming back Saturday. And he kind of looked at me like I'm 22. You just handed me the keys to this car. I gave him my personal credit card, you know, charge whatever you need to. I'll get reimbursed. And um, there you go, kid. Circle, circle some players. <laughs> find us know, some find, Gorlocks. Find, find us some Gorlocks, <laughs> yeah. no doubt. And um, and that's that's it. You know, we've we found those guys that are, uh, you know, have no attachment and they mm-hmm. want to coach. I think that's the biggest thing is that they want to coach. Yeah. Um, and I tell them, you know, you're going to make no money here for about five years and I'm going to work the, the heck out of you. Mm-hmm. And um, send them on the road and, and, and go find players and come back. And then we're going to make the players that we found better, uh, better people and better players. And, uh, you know, and the winning will happen because of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I have not had, you know, an assistant that we've paid that's been married, you know, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, you know, as you know, sometimes yeah. the, the phone rings and there's a guy playing in Kansas city in, in six hours. And, you know, I've got three kids. I can't always get on the road here, Nate, Zach, Mike, <laughs> here's the keys. Sure. I'll see you. Uh, you know, I'll let you know and, and you go do those things. And uh, we've been fortunate to have some really, really good young assistants and, and then help them move on to become head coaches. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, they've been great to me and I, I need those guys. So they've been uh, that that's what I look for. I want a guy that is that is 22, 23, 24 and hungry and loyal and wants to be a baseball guy. So uh, everything else, you know, we're going to teach him what we need to and uh, we play the game a certain way and, and we're going to teach them the way we play the game. And, um, you know, I always like my own guys too. I like guys that were in the program, mm-hmm. uh, that, that understand what we expect of them. So, uh, no, Mike was great. Mike right off the bat, we, we had, a obviously a great relationship, uh, as coach to player. And then, you know, quickly that grew into a friendship and coach to coach and, 
Heck, my daughter was in his wedding, and you know, I mean, we're we're close, and um, you know, we we played each other last week in the super, a couple weeks on the super regional, and uh, you know, we had dinner after game one. We went to dinner. Our families went to you know to dinner together, and uh, I'm glad we won. But uh, you know, I mean, it was not uh, you know, it wasn't this heated heated rivalry that you know we we were uh, at each other's throats for the series. It was fun to be around, and um, yeah. you know, fun to play him and see him see him again, and. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, I'm, I'm heading up to Chicago tonight recruiting. And if I can get there early enough, I'll stay in his, in his, uh, you know, guest room. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's a good relationship. He's really working that D3 budget, aren't you? hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Oh, I think that's the, I mean, how, you know, how many times we've shared hotel rooms with different people Guaranteed. and, you know, I, it's, um, you know, I, I've grown a little bit. I'd like to stay in a place that I've heard of, but I mean, when, when I said the young guys on the road, they're staying at some, some, uh, some hotels and motels <laughs> that, uh, you know, they, if you've never heard of that chain of hotel, I, yeah. you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the, you know, getting yourself into this game as a young coach, you're going to stay at some of those type places. You got to pay so, your dues, man. That's part of there's it. There's no doubt. There's um, no doubt. Well, knowing as much as I do about, about Webster and certainly the department itself has, has elevated the athletic department across most all sports has, has really been elevated over the last uh, number of years. But I know getting there, especially early, it's important. And for any head coach or, or future head coach, listen to this: is you've got to not only establish your own program, but you need to make sure within the athletic director's eyes and certainly the administration's eyes. But it's even you know really good within the other sport coaches' eyes that you're a team player. You're not just going to be completely centered and focused on your sport. You want to do what you can to be great for the athletic department. So how did you jump on board? How did you get more involved in what was happening within the department or maybe in the athletic director vision for where they wanted to go? How'd you do that? Well, I think that was just kind of who, uh, you know, again, coming out of St. Joseph's college, well, Sheets, you lived in Rensselaer. There yeah. isn't a heck of a lot going on oh, in that no. town or wasn't going on. So if there was a basketball game or a volleyball game or a football game, that was, that was what you did. You were going to be there and, and, um, you know, Bill Moss is our athletic director there. You know, you, you know, I learned real early, hey, that's the guy that's going to help me get my next job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of young coaches think, oh, if we win a lot of games, that's going to make me more marketable for my next job. And as I tell these young guys, listen, athletic directors give you jobs. Mm-hmm. Coaches, other baseball coaches generally don't give you jobs. So, um, you know, getting in there and and doing game management, I couldn't tell you how many times I ran the shot clock at St. Joe. And, and, and we really carried that over. I told Mike, you know, when he got here uh, and all the young coaches, this is important. Um, we're going to be at all the events. We're going to be the biggest supporters of all the other teams. Um, you know, we're going to uh, you know, travel and go see them on the road and do those types of things. So the athletic director, not just with myself, but with my young coaches, we're visible. They, they realize I can depend on these guys. And, um, mm-hmm. and when a phone call needs to be made again for these young assistants to a new school, our athletic director would make a call and say, listen, I've got Mike Stosky. Mike was, Mike was actually our assistant basketball coach, uh, assistant women's basketball coach for a year. There was a late coaching oh, wow. change and our AD came and said, I, I love, you know, what Mike's doing here, you know, told the new basketball coach, you should hire him to get through the season because you can trust him and he's going to do the right things. And, you know, it's funny how, how that stuff all works out. So, um, that is by design, you know, and, and that's yeah. also just being supportive of the people around you and, um, and making sure those other coaches, uh, you know, know you're there for them and, and, and the other athletes and become invisible. So that's, yeah. uh, that's important across the board for the athletic department and for you as a, as a, a young coach to, 
to make sure you pay your dues and to make sure that you understand um, that there's more to this. Yeah, it's not you're not in this job for glamour. If you want to be a Division three baseball coach and and you want your name in lights, you're you're sadly mistaken. Um, you know your your rewards come from a pat on the back and an, an attaboy. You know, and thanks for coming out, supporting us. Those are those are the you know that's what you're doing this for. And um, you know, so those those things are important, and I, I try to make sure our guys understand that, and our and our players, we're, we try to be as visible as possible beyond campus. Yeah. Okay, and, and especially early on in coaching, we're trying to find, I love you wrote this to me, got to find some small wins, and I think that's pretty crucial for sanity, especially if you're really working to flip a culture and, and maybe flip a program over, and certainly we're all competitive creatures. We want to move towards more wins and championships and trophies, but Early on in your coach career, what were maybe some of those small wins that you you know can even point back to now and go, man, I remember when that happened. That was a good feeling that we felt like incrementally we were moving in the right direction. What would you point to? Certainly. So I mean, I, we we talk about it with our guys, and we did it early on, and, and and I realized very quickly in the recruiting process here that we were getting kids that were you know a step slow or, or or undersized or or generally needed to put some size on. And so you know some of our small wins that we would talk about was was literally just weight gains. You know, I mean, those mm-hmm. were things with, for our guys, you know, you know, I get a, a shortstop that comes in, weighs 154 pounds. And, and, um, you know, we made the cafeteria really important to us. We got yeah. together as a team and we ate, we, we got them up and made them eat breakfast together every morning, um, you know, as a team in the, in the calf. And so all of a sudden these kids that were 154 pounds, four or five months later, you know, when the season started now, we're 168 pounds. And, and that was a small win. These kids felt like, holy cow, I'm getting bigger. I'm getting stronger. Uh, the weight room stuff, all of those things that were, um, that were happening, you know, trying to put, um, a number and a goal to everything that we did before the season even started. So our kids felt like, Hey, we were, we're winning before that we've even set foot on the field. Um, and, and those are the small wins that were happening within the team. Um, the scheduling was going to be another thing. You know, we were going to no longer do anything except try to find the very, very best teams across the country and, mm-hmm. and then celebrate those wins. You know, we were a small private school that it were kind of getting our butts kicked by the big dogs for a while. There, I remember going to Arizona and playing the college of New Jersey and, uh, and playing Wheaton, Massachusetts in my early years. Mm-hmm. I didn't, we didn't even play the college of New Jersey. They walked by us. And if you've ever played them, they've got the, the Navy pinstripe, Yankees uniforms with the NJ on there instead of the NY. And I was coaching third and I looked, I said, the Yankees are in Florida. They're not in Arizona. (laughs) And I, I didn't realize that was another division three team. And, um, and I thought, how are we ever going to beat them? (laughs) We got to get bigger. (laughs) It was crazy. It was, they had a, we, we had a kid, a catcher, a a Kirk Garter, great kid, great player. He hit a ball to left center one time, as far as he could hit on one of those backfields in Arizona. And, um, it rolled like, you know, bounced three times and rolled in the fence. He got a triple out of it. And, um, and I looked on the field next to us and New Jersey had, a, you know, uh, TCNJ had a catcher and he hit one like over the batter's eye. I mean, literally a hundred <laughs> feet farther than our catcher had just hit the ball as far as he could hit it. And um, I remember thinking, how are we ever going to beat them? And, uh, you know, and, and the first time you ever play Marietta College, you know, the yes. first time we ever beat them. I mean, we celebrated, uh, you know, when we beat those teams the first couple of times and, and, uh, and made sure our guys understood, listen, fellas we're getting better. We're getting closer. You know, we're getting, you know, we're, we can compete with these teams day in and day out. Um, 
and we had to celebrate those wins. You had to be mm-hmm. excited about the steps that we were taking. We were winning conference championships here right off the bat, um, and that was a celebration that we had to have. I remember one year, our conference turn or my second year here, our conference tournament got uh, got rained out, and we got handed the the conference tournament championship. So we didn't get to dogpile hmm. or celebrate a conference champ, you know, tournament championship. And then we went to the regional um, and we made it to the championship game. Scott Brocious beat us in extra innings with Linfield that year. And we had the greatest year in school history. Uh, and I'm going to backtrack. We, we had won the regular season championship by about five games and our guys didn't even celebrate because we were so far out ahead of everybody within the regular season championship. Then we had the rain out in the conference tournament and we didn't celebrate then. And then we make it to the regional championship and, and we lose an extra innings. And not one time did we ever celebrate in, in the greatest, you know, the, the best season we had ever had at that point. And I said, we're never doing it again. I don't care if we we win the conference championship in a game that was 22 to one. We are going to celebrate like we just, you know, won the NL Central and um, <laughs> and, and, you know, making sure these guys uh, have the chance to experience these small steps along the way, um, because there's not a lot of glory, um, you know, in, in college athletics, not the way you think it's going to be. So you got to create that glory and you got to create those those moments for the kids. Um, and it's got to be fun for them. They've got to know that uh, they're at the big time wherever you're at. That's right. Oh, that's well said. Okay. And there's also a piece, and again, I probably know too much, but I think that helps for the interview. Just you've worked hard to get the faculty on your side. And I think that's an important piece for any new head coach is be aware of obviously the other side of the, of the campus. You want to make sure that the teachers understand that you have different priorities. You are going to separate yourself from maybe their previous perceptions of the program, and you're going to change that. So what were some of the ways that you've and your guys have gone about becoming maybe the favorite team on campus? How have you gone about that? Well, you know, we, we do a lot of a lot of different things around campus, and, and there's a lot of set rules uh, in place within our program. And one of those is we, we're going to sit in the front two rows of the class. We're going to sit in the center of the class. We're going introduce, to introduce ourselves to the professor before class, you know, uh, starts, and, and so that they know who we are. And, and I think sometimes athletes at times may get a, a bad rap, and there may be a bad um, – you know, outlook on who athletes are, that they're there for certain reasons. And I told our guys, um, you know, one of my first meetings, I said, you want to be the, the Eddie Haskell of, of campus. And of course, nobody knew who Eddie Haskell was from leave at the beaver. I said, you want to be kind of the, you know, the, the brown nose kid at the front of the class that, you know, that the teacher loves to see. And, and you're going to say hello almost over the top. And you're going to see, say, have a great day on the way out the, out the door, because we know at some point in time, there is going to be a favor we need to ask. And mm-hmm. and they can't just find out that, hey, the kid sitting in the back of the classroom with his hat on backwards is a baseball player because you get kind of stereotyped as, a, as an athlete or as a baseball player. We want them to know that you're a baseball player, but in a very, very positive way. And and we, we worked hard to try and make sure we got the faculty on our side uh, because in the Midwest, it rains a lot. And, um, you know, we're supposed to play Saturday, Sunday, and all of a sudden that turns into Monday, Tuesday. And now, um, you know, we need we need people on our side to allow us to do the things that we need to do. So, you know, very, very early on, we we tried to make sure that, uh, you know, not just faculty, uh, but administration and, yeah. and all the way up to the president's office understood that, hey, we're going to be the most polite, hardest working kids on campus that say hello, that say goodbye, that say thank you, that say yes, ma'am, yes, sir. 
in every aspect of life. And that, and that carries over, you know, to life after college and when these kids are getting their, uh, you know, their first jobs and they don't, they may not realize it at the time, but, you know, we're just trying to instill that with them, uh, that, that it starts on campus with the professors, with administration. Um, and, and I think that that is, has been, you know, something that we've grown and, and has happened within our program. It's been great. You know, as new kids come in, it's not a matter of me telling them what they need to do now. Now it's a matter of, of we've created a culture and now they just need to follow what the older guys are doing and, and handle themselves those ways. And the guys that don't do those things now, they just find themselves not in our program. Yeah. You know, they, you know, it's not that we're throwing them off or kicking them off or anything like that. The, it's that our guys just don't accept it. They don't accept, uh, you know, you being that type of a person. And it's made my job easier. It's, it, you know, that whole thing has been great. But uh, again, I, I tell them all the time, it starts in the classroom and it starts with faculty. And we want to make sure that they understand, yes, we're a baseball player, but yes, I'm going to be the hardest working kid uh, and most polite kid in your class. Oh, that's huge, man. I hope guys are hearing that, taking notes and, and maybe evaluating how they approach that. You know, you brought up recruiting earlier and I want to go back to that because I think coming from your experience in division two and certainly having a little bit of scholarship money to mess with and now taking on a division three program where you're not dealing with athletic aid and you're being more creative with academic and financial aid. What hurdles did you find in the recruiting aspect? And then how'd you jump over those? Um, and then maybe lay out what your recruiting philosophy was and now is, and has really grown into. Sure. So, I mean, the first thing that we had to do was figure out, Hey, what's, what's our, you know, our, our honey hole here. Where, where do we, where do we fit academically? Because it's got to start with the academics, um, you know, and, and for Webster university, you know, luckily for me, business, um, and communication and science and education are, are really what we do, uh, really, really well, yeah. you know? And, and so that is a, a, a huge bulk. I, I would love that. I would love if we were a little bit more, um, engineering based at times I, we lose some kids because the academics isn't right for them because we're we're missing out on some some engineering things uh you know and and you know some specific things that kids really want to major in um you know so we had to figure that out we had to figure out you know what type of of young man could we go after or is it uh is it a school that packages well for blue collar kids lower income families are they gonna they gonna put uh, a strong patch package together for those kids or do we need to to you know go after the kids from a little bit higher class uh, upper class family that maybe a little bit higher income families um and i realized real early that webster university we were going to be able to go after both they were mm -hmm. going to be able you know we had the academics that were going to attract um you know those kids that were going to be upper 20 uh act type kids but yet, um, we also were going to be able to to put together a great financial package from some families that that needed some more aid, um, and we're going to be able to go after those kids. And you know, I think you you start to stereotype certain types of kids. Maybe this is a, a blue collar family, maybe a tougher kid. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's some something that we may do as coaches. That's not always true. Some of some of our toughest and, and hardest working kids come from families that have given them the most opportunity. You know, growing up and. Um, you know, and, and that's just a testament to their, their parents and, mm -hmm. and how they were raised. But, um, you know, we had to kind of figure that out. And I think every coach has to do that. They have to analyze their own institution and figure out this is our niche. And for us, we really hit Chicago hard. Um, you know, my thought was, hey, we're in St. Louis. Webster University wasn't really known for baseball in the area. So kids didn't grow up thinking, I want to be a goal. Like I need to play baseball at Webster University. Mm -hmm. It's right down the road. Uh, we've had to change that over time. But what I did know is five hours north, 
in Chicago that was really good baseball. I knew a lot of people up there, and they were going to go five hours south to get warmer, and they were going to play in a great facility and get a chance to get a great um, a great degree. And so we started rec- really recruiting Chicago hard. Um, and that has since expanded. We've we've taken a look at some areas. We recruit California, we recruit Texas, we recruit mm-hmm. Colorado. Some areas that either have an abundance of good baseball players, um, at, or an, an you know an, a, a group you know like Colorado that, that there's just not a heck of a lot of schools out there, and uh, kids are looking to go. So you know we had to kind of figure out over time where are we going to find the kids that we need. Um, and what kind of kid we were going to go after. And luckily for me, we could, we could cast a pretty big net, um, you know, but you know, I, I think there are schools that they're a little bit more refined. That's great too, because they can really rock in and focus on that type of a kid. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, we had, it took us time to do those things. We threw a real big net out there early. We didn't know what we were, um, you were kind of finding our own way in the recruiting. Um, and we tried, you know, I think every young coach wants to win right away. And so we, we probably took a couple of flyers on some kids that, um, you know, were, were transfer type kids, were junior college players um, that maybe didn't have a, a track record of a being a, a great student, mm-hmm. um, you know, but maybe they could help us on the field. And, and, and that has changed over time as well. You know, now we're, we're a little bit more selective in what we're doing. And uh, but we uh, we raised the level of our talent pretty quickly. Um, I had a headache with some of those early or early guys, they, <laughs> sure. they challenged, they challenged me. They, they challenged me, uh, you know, in the classroom and, uh, they challenged me at practice and, and they did those things. They made me a better coach, um, you know, from having to, um, to help them out. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we really started to find that it was going to be really hard for us to find the big physical athletic kids that we needed to get, you know, kids that, you know, at the division two level, you might be able to get up, uh, a third baseman that's six two and 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 can run a, a sub seven sixty uh, at Webster University. We have a hard time finding that guy. We happen to have one right now. I'm very thankful of that for <laughs> Ben for Ben Swords. But um, sure. you know it was going to be hard. So so we really started to settle into. You know I remember me and Mike talking about this uh, in the office. Let's find kids that can run. Yeah. Let's find kids that can run. Let's find kids that are a little bit undersized, but but could play defense and can run and we'll do what we can to help them become better hitters. We'll help them in the weight room. We'll help them in the cafeteria and let them grow. Uh, but what you can't teach a kid is how to be fast. Um, Mm. and, and early on, we just try to run people off the field and, um, you know, we didn't hit the ball of the fence a heck of a lot early on. Um, but when anybody got on, um, especially early on when people didn't realize who, uh, Webster university was, we would we would cause a lot of problems for people on the bases, and that's right. kind of how we started our recruiting. Um, it has evolved a little bit. God, I'd love a guy that can hit twelve to fifteen home runs, and you know, <laughs> I, I love those guys too. Sure. But uh, it was hard for us to find those guys early on, and and uh, it still is. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think when you know when we were going to side, uh, you know, on a uh, side, you know, from a caution standpoint, if we were going to find a bigger guy that was a, a, a a defender, you know, an average defender, mm-hmm. or maybe a smaller guy who can run and defend a little better. We always went, tried to go after the guy who could, could move better. Um, mm-hmm. and then hopefully put some, some weight on them and some strength on them. And, and, um, you know, first few times we went to the world series and we went to regionals and I remember checking into the, ho- to the hotel up in Appleton the first time. And, uh, in the same thing, we walked in and uh, Tim Scannell brought his team in from Trinity, mm-hmm. and they were checking at the same time. 
and they had cowboy boots on and cowboy hats on. And those kids could have eaten our kids. They were, they were, I mean, their second baseman was bigger than our starting, you know, right fielder and our starting pitcher and our first baseman. And, um, you know, it, we had to compete with what we had. And, um, you know, we were just early on, weren't able to attract those type of guys, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, over time you do, do what you can. Uh, you know, we not, we, we always want to get a, a bigger, stronger, faster kid. Um, you know, we, but we've got to do what, what we can get in and we've got to make those kids better. Yeah. That's where, that's where I want to get into. Cause I actually got a, a really good quote that you told me and I want to, I want to bring it out here in a minute, but that's going to lead us into this talent part of it because getting better players for you. And, and we were laughing about this yesterday, early on, it, you were all about the stolen base. Remember you and I talking extensively about stealing bases and I've watched that morph into your guys can still run and you can steal a bag whenever you want, but it's shifted to some bigger, stronger kids. And so when you look at maybe laying out the type of player that um, maybe made better sense for you early, um, how specifically has that has that shifted what, in terms of what player you look for now? And, and you've gotten guys, I'll have to caveat it with this, you had a fifth rounder a year ago. Like, yeah. so, I mean, you, you've got really good, talented kids, but how has that shifted over the years in terms of uh, really getting more refined of, I think more relative to my next question, Bill, is a, t- a team, a player, uh, the type of talent that can help you win a national championship. How have you refined that? Yeah, I think in, over time, as I've grown as a coach, I've learned that, uh, you know, I could say we want to run, 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 but, you know, we had a few years there, we had a bunch of big fellas that didn't run as well and uh and you have to you have to change how you play i think uh, a lot of you know i i try and read as much as i can about some of the analytic sides of baseball and what Mm -hmm. math is telling you about baseball Mm -hmm. i do think i i you know i i do think the college game especially division three um the more pressure you can put on teams the better off you're going to be i I, you know at at the big league level and and probably even at the the higher end division one level you hit a ground ball you're out um, you hit a ground ball in division three, it's, you know, you still got a pretty good chance of something, something happening in there, you know, and, and if you put down a bunt, uh, and, and make somebody make a tough play on a bunt, they might sling it down the line. And, and so we continue to try and put pressure on teams. I don't think that will ever, ever change, but I hmm. do think you've got to be flexible. I've had to become more flexible with how we're going to play the game, um, and what we're going to do, um, about that. But, um, uh, watching, Watching Chapman being up at the World Series this year, just you know Chapman and 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 Birmingham and some of those really really yeah. good teams. UMass Boston was up there. We played them a, a, an outstanding team. Um, you know, I, I still don't think I still think that you have to be able to be able to run and you have to be able to defend if you're going to win a national championship. Obviously, mm-hmm. pitching has to be there. Uh, but you know, we were we were leading the nation in defense this year, and that's probably the only um, reason that we got to Cedar Rapids this year was because we could really defend and we made that a priority that we were going to make it hard for people to score. We're going to try and throw strikes and we're going to try to defend. And that was the team that we put on the field. Um, and, um, you know, obviously we didn't score enough runs to win a national championship this year or do those types of things, uh, that we wanted to. But, um, you know, as I try to build a team and I try and look for things, we, we will always try and um, do everything we can to try and run and be as athletic as we can. Gotcha. Um, you know, and I think that's the key and the formula that we'll, we'll try and find. Obviously, like you talked about Josh Fleming, mm-hmm. we've been able to find some really good players. Yeah. Um, some players that should probably be playing at a, a higher level. Heck, Josh was a, a fifth rounder and, um, you know, I will 
I will probably never coach somebody like him ever again. He left-handed and I mean, walked 29 guys in three years and was 90 to 93 miles an hour from the left side. And, sure. you know, I mean, and uh, he's, he's thriving in double A right now. And I hope he pitches on TV someday, but uh, you know, we've gotten good players in and, and, and I think we've done a good job of making them better within our system. Hmm. Um, but we spend a lot of time when they get here, teaching them, they play the game the way that we play it. I, I love some of the stuff that Matt Tallarico has to say, I know he's just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously cutting edge with some of the stuff and, and I've had to be more flexible in how we run the bases and, and, and understand that there might be a better way out there than what we're doing. Uh, a former teammate, um, of mine, Thurman Hendricks is uh, a guy out of Chicago and, and he's got some really high level ideas about the steel start and about how we're going to, you know, how to get to second base the fastest, um, mm. you know, from a steel position at first. And we've incorporated a lot of the stuff that he does there. Um, our strength coach is outstanding with us, uh, you know, with our guys as well. Matt Seitz was with the Atlanta Braves for a number of years. We've got some really, we're really lucky to have some of the things we have. But Matt Seitz came to us from the Atlanta Braves and now is our full-time strength coach in the athletic department. Mm. And he's making our guys bigger and faster. So, um, you know, those things have, you know, we've incorporated some of the things uh, that Matt Tallarico does um, within our game. Um, we've changed how we've done some things on the bases in terms of try to stealing a base and, and putting pressure on teams. Because, I, again, I think at the Division three level, um, you know, and really across all college baseball, the more pressure you can put on teams, sure. uh, the better opportunities you're going to have mm-hmm. to score runs. And, um, and, and, and that'll probably be the same way, you know, until I retire of how we, we try to attack teams on the offensive side yeah that makes sense you know the line that i want to i wanted to come back to and it's one that I, i'll always give you credit for because it was a conversation that you and i had when i got my first head coaching job and you know you're a competitive dude i'm competitive and you, you probably knew exactly where i was mentally and you said hey man i get it you want to win a national championship and so so do all of us and every team's fighting to do that especially you know the, the real competitive guys and we think we can get there the the one line you dropped, and I, I use this on some pretty high profile guys this this past uh, couple weeks traveling around the country, is you know they're all looking for that next thing. Well, where do we need to dial up, and where can we be better, and how how can we get here? And I said, you know, the one thing that that, that Bill Courage told me, and it's one thing that I think holds true across all levels of baseball is we all fight to win the national championship. Well, there's actually there's a couple more starting places you're skipping. One is you got to get to the World Series. So you got to do whatever you can, you know, to win your regional, being being the conference championship hunt. You got to build a team that can do that year in and year out. So then you got to get there. But once you get there, you don't realize that there's still everybody says, "Hey, anything can happen." Sure, but there's still tiers of talent that you have to crawl over. You know, you still have to make these jumps incrementally to get to the next round, to get to the final four, and then to finally push through and win it. You still, when you get there, look across and you go. Oh my God, we're still a couple years behind these other, you know, really hallmark programs. Do you still hold true to that? Well, yeah, uh, one thousand percent. A few yeah. things. You know, the, the first time we got to the World Series, one of the things I stopped and I did, and as I watched every game and we spent the time there, and I was evaluating our our team, and we we had just beaten Birmingham Southern down in Millington, Tennessee, and mm-hmm. they had a, a catcher. Uh, he got drafted by the A's. It was like a second-round pick. They were so much better than we were. We just happened to play better that weekend, and we, and we got to the World Series. But one of the things I did is I evaluated each position, and there's eight mm-hmm. teams there. And I looked at our catcher, and I said, all right, eight teams here. Is our catcher fifth, second, 
you know, and as yeah. I looked around the field that first couple of years, most of our guys, we had the eighth best player <laughs> in that tournament. Sure. You know, I mean, no, we, we, we were playing well and we did a lot of great things, but I thought, okay, at this position where we have the eighth best player in this yeah. tournament and the seventh best right field or in the sixth best second baseman. And, and, um, and I realized, Hey, this is my job's not done. We made it here, but That's there right. is, there are steps that need to be taken. And, um, you know, there's going to be some instances where a team just gets so hot and with with players that are not um, mm-hmm. and no doubt, yeah. and, and those things happens all the time. Yeah. Um, but I I I start to realize, you know, and I tell our players at the beginning of the season in our first meeting, you are competing against a level of play. You're not just competing against the guy next to you. You know, you're competing mm. competing against a level of play that I need. We know we need to be at, and if we're not there, and you're not willing to give that kind of effort to get there. The reality is, is we're going to have to go out and find somebody that is, um, and and you're you're you have to understand that. And I think our guys, uh, some of the experience of having gotten to the World Series, having to been lucky enough to have been in the regionals, they look around and they realize there's some really good players in Division Three baseball. Yep. You know, we went and played North Central and Whitewater this year, and and Whitewater's got a third baseman that I still don't know what to do uh, when we pitch to him, <laughs> and and we were lucky to beat him in the North Central. It's funny, Ed Matthew. Uh, their catcher is a sophomore up there and be a junior next year. And uh, he hit two home runs on us this regional. Um, and we were down seven to one in the first championship game early on two, three on homers on, you know, balls that were, I thought were decent pitches. And uh, we just walked him every time he came up and he came, we were down, we were down by about eight runs in the ninth inning to them. And I turned to Chad, I said, if he comes up, I'm walking, I don't care if there's nobody on base. I'm, I am not letting this kid hit, hit a third home run. And, um, and sure enough, he came up with two outs and nobody on. And I mean, I just said, go on down, you know, we're, we're, well, I'm not letting them get all riled up and let them dogpile on this kid at home play. And, sure. um, you know, there's some good players that if you throw on them a strike and, and, and you don't make a real good pitch, they're going to hit it real hard. And, yeah. and we're still tr- striving to, to put a whole, um, lineup of those types of guys together as everybody is. But, yeah. um, you know, there, there are steps along the way, um, you know, there are, uh, I learned a lot of lessons. Uh, you know, we played Augustana one year uh, in one of my early years in a regional, and uh, our catcher did a great job, really nice catcher. And, and if you've ever played Webster University baseball, you better be in, you better be ready to be picked. We pick off more than anybody in the country. And and, and I learned a lesson against Augustana College. We They had some guys that can run, and we were in the regional and an elimination game. And you know, just, just like you watch, you know, early coach, you know, early on, we pick over to first once and the next pitch, they just steal second, you know, they got to second and we'd kind of give them two looks at second and maybe an inside move. And, and the minute we went to the plate, they just stole third, you know, and they just ran all over us. And I, 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 um, I realized right then I said, okay, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick off to first base until that kid is so tired he can't steal second. I me- I made a decision in that game <laughs> that this is how I'm going to I'm not going to allow you just to run all over us. And, sure. I, and it and it clicked within me as a coach. Listen, we're running all over them. We have to be able to stop everything that we're mm-hmm. doing. So if we're gonna we're gonna have this this bunt game and this small ball game and this mm-hmm. this base running game as part of what we do. We as a coach have to be prepared, a coaching staff, be able to, to stop everything that we're going to do to somebody else. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, if you play us and, and, you know, your bench or your crowd starts yelling, turn the page or whatever, our guys on our bench think, oh, God, Here just don't say anything. <laughs> Here it comes. And, and, and we're just going to pick again. And, but, but over time, we've become really hard to run against. And we, we do, a, do a good job of trying to hold people and, and keep them from running, giving our catcher 
a great chance to throw them out because I'm not mm-hmm. real concerned with our pitcher being one, one to the plate. I want our pitcher to be able to make a great pitch. Um, and so I've learned a lot of things over the years from, from teams that, and coaches that were better than we were. And you, you try and uh, make yourself a better team and, um, you know, everybody goes about things differently, but, uh, you know, you have to be willing to change and grow as a coach. Um, and I think we've done that. I'm still, still learning those things, you know, and still, awesome. still, I, you know, Chapman, Chapman was so good this year. Scott Laverty is the best, you know, we mm-hmm. text throughout this whole thing. We we're supposed to go play him this year and it didn't work out. And then we ended up at the world series and we didn't stick around long enough. To, we, we were, we barely, we got breakfast twice and went home <laughs> and lost a couple one run games this year. But, um, you know, he had some guys that are really, really special players that are not big, big guys. Now they got a closer that looks like a, you know, Jeff Samarja and comes out there and he's 96 miles an hour. But, um, you know, they got a catcher that's out there that's no bigger than I am. He's five foot eight and he throws the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not how big you are. It's about finding the right guys that, that want to do what you, you know, want to buy into the way that you do things and, yeah. and they're going to work hard. And, and uh, we're fortunate to have those kind of guys in our program right now. You alluded to this, and I don't want to go into the baseball end just yet. I want to stay just a little bit on that player development side of things. And you mentioned this earlier of how important the weight room is. And also know that you run a breakfast club and you're really you know, paying attention to the nutrition side of things and making sure guys eat because we know college kids, they don't eat enough. So now that you have Jimmy's and Joe's, you have to now develop them in those spaces. So from the weight room, from the breakfast club, maybe some other things that you're doing, what do you think have been game changers for you? Where, where do you think you have uh, maybe separated yourself from the pack because you do these things off the field? Sure. So, I mean, again, I'm going to give credit to our strength coach and, and, um, you know, our, our, our guy, Matt Seitz is, is, I, I call him the fifth beetle all the time. He is <laughs> an extension of our coaching staff. Um, and, and not only in the weight room and, and, um, and what he's doing for us to put strength on and, and to keep us healthy and to, to mm-hmm. make us better, you know, better players on the field, but he's an extension of what we do from a structure standpoint, from a, you know, the first day of weights with him, he makes them, he teaches them how to stretch, how to warm up, how to go through the ladder progression. And I was in there one day kind of watching um, what he was doing in the fall and, and um, keeping an eye on what was happening. He makes our guys go through the ladders and hmm. he did it for 45 straight minutes, almost upsetting to me. I Afterwards, I went and talked to him about it. I said, we didn't do anything today. All we do is ladders. And, and he stopped me. And, and I, again, another learning teachable moment for me, he said, until we do this right, we can't move out. If you can't do step A right, you can't go to step B. And we're going to start with how we warm up and how we do ladders. And they are going to focus every day when they walk in here that if they're not ready to be focused on the simplest task, they can't do the next task. And I just stepped back and said, yeah, you're a better coach than I am. I understand. <laughs> now, I, 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 need to, I need to never question you again. And I need to start doing the things that you're doing. And the reality of this is, you know, we focus so much on playing catch. And this is something I stole from you, Sheets. I know that you did a catch play, um, you know, kind of a system yeah. of how you play catch and keeping a track of, of your points and things like that. And that's yeah. something we incorporated because if you can't play catch, you can't play baseball. Sorry. And one of the things that we do, I, I'm very proud of this. We are one of the best catch playing teams right now that I've ever been around. Mm. And, and you know, when we feel the nine now we threw three balls away to lose two games in the World Series. So <laughs> nobody knows wanna, that. You didn't have to bring no that doubt, up, no, no doubt. But uh, you know, we 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 throw the baseball very very well. Our yeah. first baseman has gotten to throw the baseball very well. Our middle infielders are are outstanding. But um, if you don't focus on, and everybody says, "Hey, you got to hit the fundamentals," and I don't think you know coaches uh, realize 
how what that really means. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from our strength coach. So when you're talking about developing kids, for me, it starts with the structure. It starts with the attention to detail. And it's got to be in everything. It's got to be, hey, we, you know, breakfast club starts at 745. That does not mean 746. Going back to Rick Odette time, mm-hmm. 745 for Rick Odette means about 721. But <laughs> Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we understand that those things are important. Getting on the bus, being dressed on the bus and how we do those things is important. But again, I'm getting off track here. The, the weight room stuff is, you know, I think about where can we make the best gains? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if a kid was a 240 hitter in high school, I'm not turning him into Ty Cobb. He just is probably going to be a 280 hitter or, you know, 260 hitter, 280 hitter in college. Mm -hmm. So we know we've got to go recruit kids that can can hit a little bit and can have some athleticism. Um, but when I think about, all right, if my kid is at a two for strength, I can turn that into an eight. If he was a two hitter out of 10, I can maybe turn him into a three or a four. And, and that's not, that's not good enough. So where can we, where can we develop the kids the most? Um, and I think the weight room and with size in the cafeteria has to be some of the, you know, that's where we can make the biggest jumps. Um, and, and then it, it even rolls into how we, you know, how we teach the game. I think, uh, kids are terrible base runners when they get, and most of the time, you know, they, they don't even think about how to base run, how to, how to steal a base, how to hustle, how to, how to anticipate a dirt ball rate, how sure. to anticipate, Hey, he might throw a slider right here. I might, I, I better be ready to run real fast, you know, turn right and run fast here. <laughs> um, and we can develop those things. I think that's something we do, uh, on the field, but, um, you know, we, we have to, we have to get them bigger and stronger. And, and, um, you know, I learned that early playing some of the better teams that were just not strong enough. Yeah. And, and so I think that's where the biggest gains have to be made at our level, you know, because we're just not getting, you know, Jimmy talked about Jimmy and Joey, they're, they're Jimmy and Joey for us are five eleven, 162 pounds, you know? <laughs> Uh, but you know, Jimmy and Joey, when they're uh, a sophomore, when they're five eleven and one hundred eighty five pounds, well, that kid could do a lot of things. Yes. I, I, I walked by. I don't know how big he is. I was in Mexico uh, uh, last year and uh, in November, and, and I was walking out of the the fitness center, and Ian Happ from the Cubs walked by me, and I first my first I'm a big Cubs fan. I thought. Oh my God, is that Ian Happ? You know, and, and I, why would he be here? And uh, it turned out they were all down there. Hey, David Ross and Jason Hayward and those guys were all down there. Uh, Dexter Fowler. But the first thing that struck me was he is no bigger than our guys. Yeah, I mean, and he hits the ball a mile. You know, and and he didn't. You know, and I I started to realize you don't have to be six foot three. That'd be nice, but yeah. we can win with guys that are five eleven. If they get strong and athletic and, and can, you know, we can teach them uh, a flexibility and, and a program that's going to keep them healthy. You know, it's not just about being a muscle head and sure. looking good in the T-shirt. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's been the biggest part of our development that when we get a freshman in here, they have to understand that's the most important thing to them right now is eating um, and and getting in the weight room um, consistently with our strength coach. Uh, and like you said, the breakfast club is, is a huge, a huge thing for us because if you don't wake them up and, and they don't go to breakfast in the morning, they'll sleep till they won't nine 30. <laughs> no, they'll go to class at 10 class at 11. And then they go to the weight room and they're, they're trying to work out on an empty stomach and they have oh. a couple pieces of pizza. And then we practice at three and you know, it's 90, five degrees out here in the fall in St. Louis with a hundred percent humidity and they're sweating. And then they've, they've lost eight pounds by the end of the fall. And, um, 
you know, I, it would be great if we had our own cafeteria and, and those things, but try to try to instill that and how important that is, is so important for us. Yeah. Well, you dove into some of the on-field stuff, which is awesome. I think another piece that I know is true to you and your program is you really push your guys in practice in terms of really building in competition almost into everything that you do. So can you, for a coach that's certainly scramble to take notes, man, because you're, you're offering some serious information here. What else do you do from the training perspective, mainly probably more competition based that you think is a game changer for you? Well, I, I tell them early right, right away. I think, you know, catch is what's, you know, catching, you know, mm-hmm. catch is what starts practice. We spend time playing catch and, and our coaching staff watches guys play catch. We talked about it the week leading up of the playoffs. I said, you know, there's an old quote and I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up here about, um, you know, about a Navy SEALs quote that you train, you know, above the level of, of competition, Mm -hmm. because when, you know, you don't want, you don't want your game speed is going to speed up on you. You want to make sure you train faster than the game or everybody as fast as the game is going to be. Um, it's kind of funny. These kids nowadays, you know, Coach, we want to play relaxed and loose. And I tell them, you know, those guys that come and tell me that they want to be relaxed and loose and, and they they need to play and practice loose and relaxed. Um, I, I tell them those are guys that don't want to be challenged. Yes. You know, they don't want that confrontation. They don't want to be pushed. Yeah. They would rather the easy road. I said, do you think Nick Saban is loose and relaxed leading up to bowl practice in bowl practice. Do you think that's what he's saying? Hey fellas, let's just, let's throw the pads on and let's jog around out here and, and let's go through things about 75%. I'm going to pat you on the butt and tell you, Hey, you're great. And everything's great. Yeah. And, and, um, there are some kids that probably need to play at a place that that's where it is. And those kids will not do well at our school. They just won't do well in our program. Um, because I think we ask a lot of them and we expect a lot of them to practice. Mm. Um, and you know, we're going to graduate a second baseman that, uh, this year that, I mean, he, he made one air all year and, and, but he made two airs all year at practice. He takes every rep like it's a game. And it's so amazing to watch him at practice on a daily basis, our shortstop as well. But the guys that are right behind them, those guys are probably tired of hearing me because they they are trying to raise their level of expectation to practice the same way as our frontline guys, and they're they're having a hard time doing it. Mm-hmm. And and so they're I'm on them constantly about hey, expecting more out of yourself on a daily basis at practice on a, a three hop fungo, you better need to make that play with the stopwatch on you yeah. um, at a at a at a pace that's going to be made in Cedar Rapids in the eighth inning or the ninth inning with the game on the line until you understand that you need to practice that way, we're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, we had to change how we did things to practice over the years. Um, so, you know, so the stopwatch has become a big, a big part of our, um, of our practice. You know, we yeah. looked into this, we didn't do it. Um, again, I'm, I'm losing the name here, but there is a, a, a there was a guy on Twitter uh, from the Northwest. He just took a pro job, but he, he had a visual um, LED board that that they timed, and they had a visual time for every time they went down to first base. You know their their ninety mm. foot time at practice, um, and and he put it up in bullpens. And so every pitcher, you know, it's funny. Some of our pitchers, I walk by our our guys and they throw a bullpen, and they're like one nine to the plate. And they, you know, and like, hey, great pitch. You know, you hear the guys behind him, hey, 
great pitch. I'm like, great. That kid just held second and, and third, third on that pitch. No doubt. <laughs> and I said, you know, we got to figure out, and they have to understand, and it's our job to teach them that yes. um, we didn't end up buying because I, I looked online and, and was trying to find uh, I, if anybody out there wants to 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 tell me where they can I can get this, but I I can't believe that they don't make a a track clock that is uh, Bluetooth that connects to a stopwatch, so mm. I can click my stopwatch and it's visible for everybody. Um, but we we do a lot with the stopwatch and 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 how fast we turn double plays and how fast uh, do we do we feel the baseball off the fungo to first base and um, trying to replicate the speed of the game every single day at practice in the infield and in the outfield and in BP is something that we do. I took, uh, you know, so much from the ABCA conventions and, mm-hmm. and Tracy Smith talking back when he was in Indiana about how he sets the machines up. And, you know, if you want to hit an 85 mile an hour fastball, you better not set up the machine at 85 mile an hour. You know, <laughs> you know, you're going to train it at a rate, um, that is going to be faster and more explosive than what's going to happen in the game. And so we just try to instill that. And I think that is a big learning curve uh, for our guys when they first get in, um, you know, again, but over time they, they understand this is what ex- is expected. of them. we've got a, a basketball player uh, that plays center field for us. And he's also the point guard in the basketball team. And um, he's a great player. Aaron Hoppy does a great job mm-hmm. for us. And, you know, when he got to us, you know, he says, gosh, coach, I thought, you know, baseball was going to be a little slower tempo than basketball practice. I didn't realize it was going to be faster than basketball practice. Um, you know, and again, you got to have fun. You got to compete. You got to make sure uh, guys understand they're getting better. And, and um, we do a lot of competition stuff um, just with the pitching machine where we'll, we'll pit the infielders against the outfielders. We got the screens up behind. We got the machine turned up to 90 miles an hour. Heck, the coaches will jump in. You know, uh, Coach Bishop and myself will jump in, and it's it's the outfielders against the infielders, and one guy goes up there, and he's got to swing five times, and it's best out of five, just hard hit balls. I'm the judge, and you go three for five, but you got to call. You know, if I'm an infielder, I got to call out an outfielder. So no, it's you against him. Oh. Winner stays on. Winner losers behind till it gets down to it's one guy or the infielders win the out. And, and there's a lot of talking crap, and there's a lot of you know calling out. You know, I, I find out a lot about you know, guys there, because if I'm walking out there and I'm picking out our third string second baseman and I'm, I'm our three hole hitter or do I, am I going after our four hole hitter? If I'm the three hole yes. hitter, am I going after my four hole hitter first mm-hmm. baseman? I'm going to try and knock him out of the game mm-hmm. and then tell him all about it after I just knocked him out. That's, those are the guys to me that I love. Those are the guys that help you win championships. Um, and so there's a lot of that going on and, and the guys have fun with it. We're trying to create you know, some fun things with it. Yeah. I learned a lot from Rick Odette. You know, we would, we'd be working at St. Joe and I'd have our hitters indoors. You know, you're trying to create uh, an atmosphere in the cage and our hitters had hit a couple balls and who knows if it was a double or a ground ball. You can't tell he hit it in a net eight feet away from him, but you know, Rick could have the pitchers after he struck a guy out, you know, you know, waving the guy out of the cage. Give me somebody else. Give me the next guy in there. And I, at first I looked down there, I'm like, Okay. All right. Here we go. And I and I make sure the hitters listen. If you if you square one up, you if you don't tell that guy all about yeah. it and make sure he knows about it, yeah. and almost to a point of of it starting to create a, a you know a rivalry or a or a, a hatred. You know, bad. I, it's not the right word because you're on the same team, but sure. you know you've got to create those things because northern baseball you got to you've got to do a lot of things mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. Um, that you know if I was in in the middle of Florida or in the middle of California, we, we, we might not do, uh, cause we'd just be playing more, but, uh, 
you know, that's a lot of what we do here. And I think the guys have fun with it. And I try to create that you know, as much as we can at times. But um, doing everything we can to speed up practice and make it a fast practice is what we do. And yeah. just not allow them to slow down. Just not allow them to slow down. And it's been a big part of, I think, the reason that we've been uh, good at the end of the year. When, when, when the pressure's on, have, have, are you able to, to rise up? And maybe it's because, you know, we as a coaching staff put that pressure on you in mm-hmm. February. Right. And um, and everybody says they want to do those things. But uh, it takes a, uh, you know, it takes a dedication. It takes a, uh, a certain level of, um, you know, uh, of expectation from the coaching staff and mm-hmm. from the people around your teammates to understand, hey, that's just not okay. Yep. It's just not okay to play that way. Yep. And um, when you get that, you get something special. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of our, a lot of those guys within our program now that will challenge each other. Our catcher, I brought him up in the middle of the season. And I said, you know, Joe, Joe Swanson's one of my favorite kids I ever coached. I said, until, you know, he's not allowed, you know, rah, rah, in your face guy. I said, but Joe, you carry so much weight when you open your mouth. And if you don't think that, you know, if you don't want your team to play the way that they're playing, I can tell them till I'm blue in the face, but the minute you open your mouth and say, Hey, we don't do that. That's not okay. You need to play harder. You need to do this. I said, when, you know, though, when those guys can, uh, you know, create accountability within the team, now you've really got something special, man. That is so good. Um, I'm going to combine these questions because this was a point that you texted to me about constantly coaching your coaches. And I I just, we, man, I cannot walk away from this podcast without asking you about it, but also want to talk about how you've been able to move assistants into better jobs. So I think it's a, I think it all ties in together. I know you do a great job of, of staying on your guys and I want you to detail that out, but also in doing that, you're preparing them for that next job because a lot of your guys have moved into head coaching jobs. So lay out the coaching tree, but also lay out how you really hammer down on those guys while you have them. Yeah, this is, this is, I, I'm as proud of this as anything that, that I've done in my life, you know, in, in the baseball side of things. But mm-hmm. we've got five guys now uh, that are head coaches. We've been here 13 years. So, uh, you know, in 13 years, we've had five guys that have moved on to other coach, head coaching jobs. And I think, um, you know, it's just, uh, uh, I just had to take a lot of pride in the fact that other institutions look at what we've done and say, Hey, I want the guy that's at Webster because they're doing some special things there and their kids are respectful. And let, let me get a hold of their assistant and try and replicate that within our institution. And, um, you know, so we, you know, Mike Stosky, you know, started with me and he went to Spalding as the, uh, as the head coach. And now he's, a, you know, he's at Concordia, Chicago, and they were no, ranked number one in the country and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and has now moved on to Mary Harden Baylor and we'll start up there soon. Um, Logan Johnson was uh, was a pitcher for us. Became our pitching coach. Was was a, with uh, with within the program. Another ABCA guy. All mm-hmm. these guys are. Yep. Um, and is at Lindenwood University, Belleville, at an AI school. Uh, Grant Bellick was a former player of ours and a coach of ours, who's now at Hanover College in Indiana. Zach Getzey was with me for five years. You know, we got him right out of St. Joe, and we keep hiring guys uh, that we know, players that played within the within the family, almost so Mm -hmm. such to say, you know, um, and give me a guy that I I can rely on that is loyal, that is hardworking and will continue to teach him how to coach. And, um, you know, he's at Transylvania university and in Lexington, Kentucky right now doing a great job, getting them, getting them up and going within their league. And then, um, 
by the time this thing probably airs, um, Zach, Zach Bishop will have been named the head coach at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, and a young guy that's only 24 years old that within our own league is going to have moved on and become a head coach. And, uh, you know, it goes back to you know, Brian Barron's, uh, who's, you know, uh, lovingly known as Bobo in the coaching world, mm-hmm. is, is a guy that I played with at Quincy and coached uh, against and coached with. I was lucky enough to have him on our staff. And he used to say to me all the time, I get frustrated with some of the younger guys from a coaching standpoint. And he turned to me and said, you got to coach them up. You know, almost like, quit, quit, yeah. quit complaining. Yeah. Coach them up. Like, yeah. this is, you know, we hired a 23-year-old guy that, you know, is on his own for the first time. Mom and dad are still paying his car insurance and his cell phone bill. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't hire, you know, a a 10 year veteran coach. You need to coach him up to get things done that we want to get done. And, and it it made a lot of sense to me, uh, you know, because we do things a specific way within our program and, and, uh, we expect a lot of our players. And so I expect a lot of our coaches, um, Zach Getze, it's a, I, I, we laugh at this story all the time, you know, you know, trying to get them to understand all of the things they're going to have to do. It, you know, everybody thinks it's all glory and, and, you know, we're going to, I'm going to work with this hitter and I'm going to do this. I'm going to t- tinker with this guy. And the reality is, is, uh, you know, one of Zach's first days on the staff, he, um, we had to rebuild our practice mound at our, at our hmm. practice field. We've got a, a little practice field near campus. And, uh, and every summer it kind of goes, uh, you know, by the wayside because we don't have control of it in the summer. So every fall we got to get out there at the end of the summer, getting new clay in there and getting that thing workable so that we can air squat out there. It's still, a, you know, just a practice field for sure. us. But it's about 102 degrees outside. And I had a I had a meeting in the morning and I had a bunch of things, uh, you know, in the afternoon. And, you know, so Zach was out there with our student assistant or, you know, at the time, and they were rebuilding the mound and, you know, shoveling clay, you know, we had a, a mound of or a, a truckload of clay dumped off and he's out there pounding clay, you know, and, and forming the mound and rolling it and watering and doing all the things that you need to do to, to create them to build a mound. And, and uh, it was about his third day on the job. And, and uh, he says to me, he, you know, kind of hit hands me the tamp and I'm out there in khakis and a polo. I got another meeting in about, you know, 30 minutes. I just checked on him to see how they were doing. He says, Hey, you want to turn with the tamp? You know, you want to, you want to get after this thing? And I looked at him and he was 21 years old. I said, said, Zach, I said, you're going to learn. I said, you're, this is about your fourth day of the job. I said, some of us are meant to pound clay into the earth and some of us are meant to go to meetings. I said, and guess which one you are right now. And, um, he kind of looked at me. He wouldn't even know, hardly know each other. Sure. Right then. It was just a little teachable moment for him there and said, have at it, brother. I said, I, I, not that I'm above rebuilding the model, but yeah, I did those things for years when I was 22, 23 years old. And I had other things going on. I said, listen, you're going to pay your dues. And, um, you know, I'm going to send you out recruiting, uh, you know, to see a kid in the Legion game four hours away that. I have no idea if he can play or not, but we got to call on him. You know, those are the things that have to happen. And and getting them to understand the level of expectation is is um, you know the first thing that you got to do. But you know, um, again, we 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 try to understand that it's important that we have dinner together. That we I have the guys over my house. That they understand that they're part of our family. That that you know my kids are part of you know the family, and I want them to know my my wife and my kids and and and. Um, and to understand that they can lean on me. We've had, I mean, so many good, good stories. I'm going to, I'm going to go off track here a little bit. Zach Getze, um, my wife was leaving town. This was about seven or eight years ago. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, we were going to go to Quincy university at the end of the weekend to work at camp. And my wife had to go up, you know, out of town. She's an attorney and, and, uh, 
and she left on a Thursday afternoon. And the minute she walked out the door, my three kids start vomiting like it's the <laughs> the, the fountains at the Bellagio. Sure. I mean, one after another, uh, and I'm like, "Holy cow!" And um, and so I'm I'm stripping bed sheets and getting clothes together. I'm washing them, and as fast as I can wash clothes, and uh, all you dads out there know this: as fast as you can wash and and the clothes, you have. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing this again. They're throwing sure. up again. And so I throw in the wash machine and I go to throw it in the dryer and I leave it on there for about, you know, an hour and I go down and it's spinning and I go to grab the clothes and the sheets and they're still wet. My dryer is dead. Oh, and, uh, so, and my wife's out of town and my kids have not stopped vomiting upstairs yet. So I call Zach. Zach's like 23 years old and the most single guy on earth at this time. I mean, in every, if you know, Zach, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. He sure. is, he, I, you know, not uh, kids are not part of his life at this point in the game yet. And uh, I'm like, Hey, I need to come over. And I used to sit with my kids while I take their clothes up to the laundromat yep. and dry them. Cause I got nobody else here. And sure. Up comes over. My kids know him as uncle Zach, you know, and he comes over and he sits with the kids. I'm, I'm doing trips back and forth from the laundromat for a couple days. Friday night, my daughter um, rolls out of bed and breaks her collarbone. So I need him to come over and help and sit with the kids while I take Holly Courage to the emergency room because she broke her collarbone. She rolled out of her bed at four years old. And uh, finally, I called my wife. I said, I don't know where you're at or what you're doing with work, but you got to come home right now. Like, you, like <laughs> you I have mean, to be here. I, you, hey, listen, all hell is broken loose at the Courage house. <laughs> Bill Courage is a, a very – I'm a, I'm a family guy. I love my kids, <laughs> and I am ready to handle anything that comes my way. But – I just reached my limit. You got to come home right now. And so she comes home. So back to the Quincy, back to the Quincy uh, camp, we leave and we head up to, to camp at Quincy. Josh Raby's running and me and Zach go up there and thank God we check into the holiday Inn up there and we head up to the Abbey and have some dinner. And I'm like, Oh man, thank God. Thanks for everything for helping me out with the, the family stuff. Zach's like, no problem. We get out to camp the next day and it's about a hundred degrees outside and he's running the gun and the pitchers and I'm, I'm running one of the teams and I'm sitting on the bench and I look and I'm like, God, I'm sweating. And, and it ain't in a good way. And I have to go underneath the stands at Quincy. And if you've ever been underneath the stands at QU Stadium, it's it was it's an old prison just about. And and there's not a lot of ven- ventilation in the in the bathrooms sure. under there. And I'm sitting under there and I'm getting sick. And I'm like, oh my God, whatever the kids had, I got it. And um, after about 30 minutes under there, I come out and I go find Zach again, 23 and single. And I said, Hey man, I said, I feel terrible. I said, I think I got what the kids had it, you know, Zach had, had spent two days at my house and Zach's like, Hey, I've been throwing up in that drain over there, running the gun back here for about two hours. Now he goes, I got the same thing. I mean, we were dog sick as a dog and, Mm. and we let, I mean, and there's no escaping it. And we're out there, we're trying to get through camp. We're drinking Gatorade. We're running back and forth to the bathroom. They're like, man, Zach, I appreciate your help right there. You, you just got a, you got a crash course in being a, a dad right there, having three young kids got sick on you. You got whatever they had. And, uh, you know, it, so they're part of your family. They are, you, sure. you, you know, they come on vacation with us. We've had them, you know, try and do those things. And, um, because you're going to ask so much of them and for no money, you know, almost no money, sure. you know, and buy them a beer every chance you get and do those things because, uh, you need those guys and those guys are going to coach your players and they got to deliver the same message with the same passion and that the same, uh, and you, they've got to know that I'm there for them 
to help uh, my job for them is to get them out of my program and get to a better baseball job, whether it's a better assistant job, whether it's a, be- a head coaching job. Um, and it's just really worked, um, worked well for us. I do my best to try and get them out of here and teach them the game. But then the next young coach wants to come and work for us because they think, Hey, Bill Kirch is going to help me get a head coaching job here. And, and I take a lot of pride in that. And, um, you know, and, and so you're, you need those guys and you need them to coach their butts off for you and recruit their butt off for you. Cause they're going to have to tell their girlfriend, Hey babe, I, I know we were supposed to go to dinner tonight. We had plans, but BK just needs me to get to KC and I got to be there in five hours, five and a half hour trip. I got to go right now. And, um, you know, love you and, and I'm out, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and they've got to do those things for you sometimes. And, uh, uh, so you got to make sure you have, you treat them with respect and, and you're tough on them because they are, you know, uh, I'm getting older and they're staying the same age, you know, <laughs> see, these are my kids, you know, it's, sure. you know, there, there, there's, um, we were in the car the other day and Nate Thole, we were at SIU Edwardsville and we're leaving and that just kind of shows how old they are and, you know, I'm texting my wife and he, he takes a selfie of himself and snaps to his girl. And, uh, I said, what are you doing? And he says, ah, I'm just checking in with the girl. I said, don't ever take a selfie in my car ever again. <laughs> don't, but, you do that. What, what, don't ever do that again. I said, come on. I said, you can't do that. I said, and, uh, yeah, it just, it's funny that, you know, how things are changing, you know, and we got to adapt to those guys, but, uh, trying to keep nah, you young, Bill. I, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I am, it's coach Hammonds and myself. We laugh, we, we try and stay as young as we can, but mm-hmm. we say all the time, we always lean together on the road and we're the same age. And like, man, these kids are changing. We're, we're, we're getting old. We're getting old. And, and the things, you know, you know, we, I realized, realized in the weight room, uh, this year, we were talking about something. The kids are talking about some movie. And I, I made some comment about the movie old school and we had about 12 kids there and two out of the 12 kids there had even even knew what the movie old school oh, was. And I said, Hey, I feel like I've let them down. Yeah. I really do on the bus. It's, no, no, no. We're going to learn some things on the bus here. Sure. And, um, you know, in, in those types of things it is, but you realize like that is a, we've, that's another, another generation has passed oh, and stuff boy. like that. And, you know, baseball players that we, you know, we saw and grew up with and saw them play and, you know, they, uh, these kids have never seen Michael Jordan play, you know, yeah. they were born after Michael Jordan was done. I'm like, Oh God, you know? And so, yeah, you got to adapt. You got to change with them. <laughs> oh man, that's outstanding. Okay. I want to take this last question, man. I know you got a recruit that's coming on campus and, and I want to be uh, very cognizant of your time, but can't let you go without asking this question. I think the, the first part is the best advice you've been given. So that, that one hidden mantra that that's between your ears at all times that really has guided you, up until this point. And then, man, the floor is yours. What other, other advice you have for coaches listening to this across all levels of the game? BK, what would you offer them? Well, a couple things, sir. I don't know who said it. We probably heard it's probably been stolen and passed down uh, so many times throughout the years at the convention and listen to clinics, you know, and, and talk, you know, you know, people talk at the clinics mm-hmm. and whatnot. But um, somewhere early on in my career, I heard somebody say, hey, no matter where you're at, whether you're the assistant coach at a Division three school that is a nine and thirty one, or you're the head assistant at um, you know at, at at Florida State, or you're the head coach at, at a place wherever you're at, you treat that like it's the big time because yeah. you know if you're always looking for the next job and you think this is a stepping stone and you think this is you know um, you know a place that you know, I'm just using to get to the bit to the next spot and the next spot is the big time. 
you will have missed your opportunity to enjoy this game the way it should be enjoyed. Dennis Martell at Illinois Wesleyan, when I first got into this job at Webster, he had uh, he had called me and said, hey, congratulations, yada, yada, yada. He said, uh, you know, Bill, he said, I'll tell you what. He goes, you know, this is maybe like year three or four. He says, you know, if you're in a place for seven years, you're never leaving. Hmm. And I said, ah, nah, you know, I said, you know, nah, you know, I, I didn't say no to him, but I didn't think much of it, you know. You know, ah, coach, you know, I appreciate that. You know, I, you know, my kids are still young and whatnot. And I'm going to tell you, it was about year seven when I was at Webster and <laughs> we were doing some winning and, and some opportunities were coming to, but the reality is, is you know, you you get, you start a family, you, you know, and, and things start to settle down and you realize, Hey, I'm winning at this place. This place wants me to be here. I want to be here. And, and, um, you start to realize what's important in your life, um, you know, and that's about it. You start to realize, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that's it. Webster university is the big time for me. I, I, I don't have, uh, you know, the aspirations to, to, to be a, a power five coach by any means. I don't have the pedigree to probably do those things either, but, uh, you know, there are some, uh, you know, there are some small victories, like you say, and, 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 you know, this is my program yeah. and, and I take a ton of pride in this and, and it goes back to, to what I learned early on, wherever you're at, whether I was the GA at, at Concordia, Chicago, whether I was at, with Rick Odette living in a, an apartment, I, I, like the Fonz, I lived above a garage for about 200 bucks a month. And I'm like, man, I made it. This is it. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm working at admissions during the day. And I got to, I got to, I got to wear a shirt and tie and then I got to change in my baseball outfit. And then I'm going to go recruiting at night and I'm going to, I'm going to do these things. And I made it. And then when I got mm. the job at Webster, um, you know, there's certain days in my life I'll, I'll remember, you know, when I'm in a, when, you know, they're ready to put me in the box, um, you know, and it's the you know, birth of your kids when you get married and all of those things. But the day that I got the job at Webster, you know, and again, uh, we've all been there, you know, those guys that are fortunate enough to become full-time baseball guys. And it's a hard thing to do yeah. to be a full-time baseball coach. Um, uh, but that was a moment I'll never forget. Cause all I remember thinking was all I've got to do is as long as I don't screw this up. I got to wake up and <laughs> worry about baseball every day for the rest of my life. My dad reminds me of that about every time I see him. He tells me, he's like, he said, he goes, you don't even have a real job. I said, I got to work. I got to be here. I said, knock this off. He stop telling me you got to work. And, um, you know, you, you don't have a job. You know, he goes, I have a job. He's, I worked, you know, I worked in a, you know, factory or I worked wherever he's worked, you know, as a blue collar guy his whole life. And, um, you know, he's, you don't have a job. Knock it off. You're going to watch baseball. You're going to go, you know, teach a kid to hit, you're going to go, Oh, you know, you know, you got a tournament, you got games, you're on the road, just knock it off. And, <laughs> and it is, I remember right where I was, when I remember thinking to myself, don't screw this up, work hard. And you just have to worry about baseball until you're done working the rest of your life. And, and that was a special moment for me, but sure. um, you know, uh, those are, those are, those are things I think every co young coach has to understand and they have to take that to heart. And I've been fortunate enough to have some really good young assistants that never were looking for the next job. They were sitting right next to me in this office and we were making the same stupid jokes back and forth to one another, yeah. going to recruit the same players that, you know, probably think they're too good for our program, but we're still loving them up and, and, and doing everything we can to get them here. And, uh, um, you know, and, and they, they didn't look past this. And then, you know, when the time came that they were ready to take the next step, I did everything I could to try and help them get to the next step. And, um, you know, I still have a great relationship with each one of those guys and, and, um, and that's it. But I will say this, you know, you kind of, I don't want to, I'm in no hurry here by any means, but you know, the, the advice I will tell you that I think I've grown the most, um, you know, is 
uh, you know, and I tell Mike Stosky this la- just last week. I said, Mike, you have got to spend, figure out how to spend more time coaching your son and your daughters than coaching your pitchers and your catchers. Mm. You know, I mean, and if there's anything I've learned about this, you know, and, you know, you get really wrapped up in the season and whatnot. And little Billy Courage is the home. He's eight years old and, and trying to become a better baseball player. He's really getting into ball now. And I, I look back and I say, you know what? I need to spend more time with Billy Courage, mm. you know, my son, than I need to with our guys. You know, I'm not going to take anything away from our guys in our program. But, um, you know, I think as I've grown older, I think, you know, you can't get this time back with your kids That's and your right. family. Do do not. Do you, you do not miss this opportunity uh, to do those things. And that's part of the reason I think one of the things that, you know, I've had to develop and learn is that I've got to I've got to learn and, you know, develop my coaches mm-hmm. so they can do my job for me because, you know, uh, again, I'm only in my early 40s. But, you know, there's I'm not going to go see an American Legion game in Joplin on a Thursday night when Billy Courage has a T-ball game, I'm going to be, or, or Holly and Abby Courage have a swim meet or, or a volleyball game. I'm going to be at those things. That is way more important. Um, not, not that the Legion game in, in Joplin isn't important, mm-hmm. uh, but I need, I need Zach Bishop, you know, <laughs> to go do that. I need yes. Zach Getzey to go do that. I need Mike Stosky. Hey, I need you to go do those things. Um, uh, and when it comes time, when you guys have kids, you need to not be at those things you there's always things you've got to be at you've got to work hard as a head coach but uh you need to make sure that the family is um is the the number one priority and i think um i've we've all known coaches that have gotten those priorities out of whack and mm-hmm. um you know there's heck thousands and thousands of coaches and thousands of thousands of you know guys that are divorced and and you know and things like that and i look back and say i, I don't want to be like that i want to make sure i I take care of my home, you know, and my family first. And I saw, I, I told Mike Stosky that last week. I said, man, when he was contemplating moving down to Texas and I said, listen, I said, does that give you a better chance to win a national championship? He said, okay, you know, whatever, whatever he thought I said, but does this make, is this a better life for you and your family? Does this give you a chance to, to be at more events for your kids and to spend more time with your family and do those things and to give them more opportunities because that's the only reason you should take this job if it's not if it's just because you think you can win more college division three baseball games then you shouldn't do it you know you need to make sure so i i think you know over time you know when you start to settle down and you're not such a lunatic on the field and at practice and whatnot you you start to put some things into perspective and and the earlier you can do that in your life, you uh, the better off and the happier you're going to be. Um, and again, it goes back to the small victories. We did, we won a national yeah. championship. No, no, we did not this year. But um, we went on a heck of a run. And you know, this is the first year we had a regional and a super regional in Division Three baseball, and mm-hmm. uh, a really neat experience. And to go and um, you know to win at Whitewater, which is a heck of a tough place to win, and then to go up to Concordia, Chicago, which is where I got my start this year, and to coach against you know Mike Stosky and and uh, and to win there, uh, those were uh, those are small victories that I'll remember forever, and I hope our guys do as well. And had to stop and make sure they understood that um, that you know there's only one team celebrating mm-hmm. out of about 400 teams at the end of the year, and uh, you can't be uh, you can't be disappointed because of you know what you didn't accomplish you got to make sure you're happy about what you did accomplish in some years you're some years you're 10 and 30 you know i've been yeah. fortunate to have to go through that yet but um you know you still got to make sure that guys are um understanding that there's a bigger picture to all this gosh that is so good man exactly what i knew you would deliver you did it throughout this entire episode and it's one that 
again, for a listener that's paying attention, laying out exactly what you've gone through, advice, almost trying to cut out that learning curve for a lot of young coaches. Certainly they're listening to this, Bill. Man, this was phenomenal, and I'm just grateful for great men like you inside the ABCA and certainly as a friend. Uh, Man, thanks for carving out some time for us and jumping on the podcast and certainly wish you the best of luck. Keep winning, and I hope to see you back in Cedar Rapids. And uh, best of luck on the recruiting trails, my friend. Thanks for jumping on with us. No problem, Sheets. I appreciate everything, and these are great. I, um, you know, like I can't thank you enough. An opportunity to, this is a learning opportunity for me as well. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and connecting with these great teachers and coaches. If you're interested in more of these shows, check us out on iTunes, hit subscribe, and dive right in, or head over to abca.org slash podcast and scroll through all of our episodes. Another huge thanks to the great people over at AstroTurf for sponsoring this podcast. So if you're looking to do any field upgrades at your facility, head over to astroturf.com. That's astroturf.com and see why they have been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. Now here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. So let us know how we can help. Head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information, also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ABCA1945. And make sure you subscribe to our new YouTube channel, over at youtube.com slash ABCA1945 for the latest videos and projects that we have on deck for each of you. And finally, feel free to reach out to me directly if I can help you out on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S at ABCA.org. We'd love to hear from our loyal members and continue to find ways to keep growing the game together. So as always, coaches, thanks for staying dialed into our Calls to the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.